Welcome to the June 11th, 2020 Science Fiction Club meeting, and we have a, looks like a pretty good turnout today. So, Roger, our usual firstling, isn't here, so uh, I just made that up. Um, he's used often the first one to go, so uh, let's see, who's here that hasn't been here? Marshall, is that you? Yes. Yeah, well... Well, assuming you're talking about the 801 area yep. code. Yep, 1801, it says. 1801, yeah, yep. that's you. Well, uh, do you want to start just this once? Okay. Uh, do you have something? Yes, I do. Okay. I read uh, book two of Vada's piece by Elizabeth Moon. Oh. And I'll be honest, I didn't particularly enjoy about the first three-fourths of the book. Uh, I just couldn't get into it. It was just stuff I couldn't really get interested in. It was politics and such not. Uh, but then they got into the battle, and that was kind of interesting. But I hope she finishes this series off, because I'm, you know, these authors start books that are seven or eight books long and then they die a la robert jordan yeah uh, and i'd like to see you know i'd like them to finish the series rather than leaving it hanging and bring in somebody else to cover them but i can't give this a real recommendation i just didn't enjoy most of it no you read the first one right Yes, I did, and, and that was one was okay. pretty good. Oh, okay. All right. But this one, just the first part was, oh, a lot of stuff dealing with immigration law, and I guess she was accused of a murder, and just a lot of stuff like that. And I just didn't, don't want to listen to stuff like that. I think I'm... Well, and you can do all that without science fiction, right? I mean, yes. that probably is the point. That it, it, That's probably why it didn't interest you. What's science fictional about that? Um, there isn't anything. Uh, but I, I just can't recommend it. Maybe the next book, mm -hmm. if there is one, will be better. Those are on Bookshare, right? They're not on Bard, or are they? No, this one's on Bard. I don't oh, okay. know if it's on Bookshare or not. Uh, I seem to recall they are, but I always check that stuff before I put them. I don't check. I don't say whether it's on Bard or Bookshare, but I'll check. I usually check both to see. What well, I know it's on. I know it's on Bard because okay, it's sitting good. in the Bard section of my yeah. Victor Reader stream. So Vada's piece, the second Vada's piece, is that the title? No, that is not the title. Oh, okay. Do you remember what it was? I can find out in a minute. Oh, it's all right. It, it must have been really bad. <laughs> you know. I, think it, I think it had fire in the title. Okay, I'll look it up. Don't worry, I'll find it. But, I have no trouble finding things. I was going to look it up, and then I got confused when I was dialing the phone number and panicked. Uh, don't worry about it. I'll find it. But it's the second one, so I'll, I'll make sure I get the title. Um, I had to look for Wool Omnibus and I um, for this meeting, and I thought it was Wall Omnibus, and I did a bunch of well, searches. I'll, I'll email you the Wall title. Omnibus, and I couldn't find it. I finally found it. Um, so I have to look a little bit for these titles sometimes, but I don't mind. Um, okay, well, um, Liz, you haven't been here for a little while. Okay. Would you be uh, willing to go forward? Sure. sure. Okay, I actually have three books, but I'm going to treat the one, the first and second book as one book. Um, I reread re -read Zoo by James Patterson et al., and so I went on to read Zoo 2 because I discovered it, again, by James Patterson and a couple of other authors. <laughs> um, and Zoo 2 is only... Uh, do you want the DB numbers or do you just want them? No, we don't need them. Okay. I mean, if you have them easily accessible, 
go ahead because some people out there might want them. But if you have to look for them, don't worry about it. No, it's okay. I've got the page up. Okay, for Zoo 2, I, I'm treating it as just – it's a three-hour and 22-minute book. So I assumed – okay, I'll just a general recap. In Zoo and, – and interestingly enough, um, Barb has this listed as suspense fiction, but it really is science fiction. I, I think so anyway. Um, the premise is um, – there's a, an Oz is the main character. He's an anthropologist, and he was like this wonder boy. Everybody thought he was really going places until he started reporting, hey, guys, there's something weird going on with all the animals in the world. They're just not acting right. And there was a, a dramatic increase in violence, like deliberately violent attacks against people. Um, animals started kind of acting more in hive-like behavior, um, and pets started turning on their, you know, their owners and um, people dismissed him as being, you know, just a crank. And so he kind of like lost his position, you know, his very esteemed position in his, you know, doctoral program and was kicked out until everybody, you know, it, was, it became so bad that, you know, you really couldn't exist. It couldn't ignore the problem. Um, so they go about and the military wants to kill all the animals. So they start carpet bombing and, and they say, no, no, that's not the solution. When they figure out what's going on is, between all the floral hybrid, I'm trying. I can never say this. That the um, all the plastics and stuff that are putting out the, the the floral. Help me out. I know you guys can do this. The the hydrocarbons, whatever. Okay. Floral carbons. Floral. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Just say CFCs. That's what they are for short. CFC. Thank you. CFCs. Great. And all of the, like, electricity and cell phone signals and, you know, wireless signals, those combined are starting to affect the animals by mutating their pheromones, and people start smelling like prey. And so they have to figure out that what they really need to do to reset this is to just shut off all the power in the world for just two weeks. No, shut everything down. There's no, no, no driving, no flying, no cell phones. Everybody just has to go dark. You mean kind of like just like the last month or two, almost? <laughs> yeah, kind of, sort of, exactly. I, I thought about that. <laughs> I think it might have been because we were noticing that the animals were starting to encroach. <laughs> we were starting to get nests and places. Oh yeah, they're they're coming into the cities. There's pictures mm -hmm. of you know coyotes and and. And he's even an oh, elephant, I heard about. An elephant? In Africa? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking in the United States, I no. was hoping elephants weren't becoming native animals here. Not here, <laughs> no. But no. Yeah, in Africa, no. they had, and, but I've heard about coyotes in Italy and wolves. And, oh, my, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. go ahead, Liz. I interrupted you. No, that's okay. Um, so anyway, it, it, the book ends basically, so they, they go into this shutdown, and like three days into the shutdown, they are already starting to see progress. The animals are starting to be less aggressive, and, um, you know, it seems like it's going to work. But, of course, people being people, you know, a few here and there that weren't going to participate, they started driving their cars, and, you know, it, it, essentially it, it, the whole world started up again after like three or four days. They couldn't even stand it. So the animals went crazy again, and it, the, the first book ended with Doctor with Oz and his wife and their son um, escaping out of New York and going up to Iceland to live there, where things were still pretty pretty stable. So in Zoo Two, it opens with them being in Iceland, and um, uh, the opening scene is Oz just about getting ripped apart by a polar bear. So it's not all great up there. But he, <laughs> anyway, so he's been called back because they're starting to notice that um, there are reports of feral humans where the humans have also started to um, change and become, you know, just ravenous and, and uh, vicious and attacking anyway. So, so in three hours and 22 minutes... They go, they, they, they rescue, they, they capture this feral human, they start to develop um, an, antibody, um, an um, antidote to the disease, and they find success. They're able to bring back a feral human to um, full, normal sanity. And so um, they think problem solved, you think problem solved as the reader. Um, they're still living in an underground bunker-like situation while the... the 
uh, the vaccine is basically being produced and distributed because it's still very dangerous up on the surface. So they're on their way um, to the daycare center to pick up their son. Everything's fine. They're happy. The world's going to be saved. And then all of a sudden, the tunnel is filled with nothing but cockroaches, these vicious biting. And that's where the book ends. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm right. like, you know what? Right. I I don't don't read it. It's it's just a waste. And I thought, well, okay, maybe they're going to do another one. But that was in 2014, and I wouldn't read a Zoo Three if they came out with one. So wow, I I was just very profoundly disappointed with it. Um, you know, yeah. that's bad. You can see maybe yeah. that's why what's happening to humanity because we're becoming more violent. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's some wisdom there. And, you know, people aren't going to, you know, there's there's some parallels here. People aren't, you know, I don't know, or, you know, I don't want to offend anybody's sensitivity. But, you know, we were, we, you know, you see the 20-sums, uh, I'm not going to wear a mask. You can't make me wear a mask. I'm going to do what I want to do. And it's like, well, okay, you know. <laughs> so, How does the government plan to carpet bomb animals without hurting people? Oh, well, because, the, well, they, um the areas where they're carpet bombing, essentially, there's not a lot of people left because the animals have killed them all. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, you know, animals are just like taking over the cities. They're, they're, you know, they're just killing people. And so, yeah. Besides, so, besides Sherry, they're casualties of war. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's just how collateral it damage. Collateral damage. damage. That's yeah. the word. That's the there phrase I need. Yeah. 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 Oh, Got it. Oh, my gosh. That's what a horrible ending. Yeah, yeah, those I'm, aren't even books. Those are novellas. Exactly. Those aren't yeah. even books, yeah. really. I was I mean. very disappointed. Don't bother with it. Well, isn't that... Didn't he come up with this... What did he call them? Uh, he had a name for those little books. He was. He, I actually heard him on the radio talking about these several years. Something shots. They were some kind of book... Th- little things he was talking about writing that were just a few hours long there were short books they were but i can't remember the name of what he was talking about i, have to I, know. He, I don't think he but, writes them i he always has other authors on there i, know, I think Lizzie, his name Lizzie is on them detest, yeah i don't like him either i think the other authors write him and he yeah. throws his name on there he gets the credit he gets a lot of the credit and probably yeah. and a good chunk of the money totally. this, this wasn't a bad premise though no it wasn't a bad premise no. it's just you know, and and I think that if he hadn't ended it with this big, you know, yeah, everything's fine. We've saved the world except for the cockroaches. And I thought, I was a little homage to you know, we've always said the cockroaches are mm-hmm. going to be the only thing that survives. You know? so yeah, like, okay. right. After we're gone, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, they'll survive the nuclear bomb, and we won't. Yeah. Okay, so the, the second book, and the one I haven't quite re- finished reading it yet, um, and it's it's a weird book. Um, okay, it's called uh, The Last Human, and it's by Zach Jordan. Now, I've never heard of this author before. The book is 17 hours and 20 minutes long, and yep. I selected this book because it is narrated by <coughs> Bonnie Turpin. And She's I good. I love Bonnie Turpin. She's yeah, good. Exactly. I said, you know, I think I would read a dictionary if she were reading it. You know? <laughs> I just started that um, book, too. <coughs> oh, did you? Yeah, but I'm only a few minutes, and I went and do something else, and I'm gonna come back to it. <clears throat> okay, um, so I'm. I uh, it's okay. It's the last human. Okay, um, uh, Saria. They they refer to her as Saria, the daughter. Okay, she has been captured by um, Shena, the widow, which is a different species. It takes place far into the future. Humanity has basically been obliterated because it's been determined that it's just much too dangerous of a species to allow to exist. So it's been exterminated. Mm, I can buy it. Yeah. Unfortunately, yes, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. So um, Surya, the daughter, has been captured by Shinna, the widow, on a, um, like, a um, bounty hunter... um, you know, she finds her, and she finds herself in an extremely complicated universe. Everything is networked. It's almost like this, you know, Borg on steroids. Everything is connected. It all communicates. There's a very intricate and complicated structure 
of uh, beings within this network, um, starting from what they call a sublegals, and everybody has like a sublegal assistant. And the thing about the book that I'm enjoying <coughs> is there's a lot of humor in it, okay? And so, like, Saria's sublegal ends up getting the name Ace. And I just kept thinking of Clippy. <laughs> oh, the paperclip in Microsoft? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That the, stupid the paperclip. Oh, it looks to me like you're trying to write a paper. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, it's considered, you know, sublegal meaning they're very low intelligence. They basically are assistants. Um, and then there's this strata way up to tier four, which hardly ever exists. Um, and Saria, because of. Uh, Okay. Anyways, so at, when she's captured, what happens is that the the widow um, is this very fierce hunter, and 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 they describe her physique as you know like her a spider, bla- yeah, a big spider, but with blades and you know mandibles, and, you know, I'm, you know, she's just this fierce hunter, and and raises Saria with you know fierceness, but originally Saria is not her daughter, mm-hmm. but. Shana becomes very impressed with Saria's desire to fight, like the willingness to fight for her life and just stubbornness. She's a very small child when she's, uh, when she's found um, and she struggles to survive. And uh, this really impresses her. So it, you know, in her own evolution, Shana is like ready to become a mother She's not a mother, so she basically adopts Surya. They live on um, this station called Water Tower. Um, I don't want... Anyway, Surya's identity is discovered and reported by Observer. That's another one of the intelligence with this network. and the water station is the water tower station is destroyed, and in that destruction, um, uh, Shena is is killed. So Saria makes it onto another ship off of the, the she's saved, and she is given this pod. And so that's when the story really starts to unfold. Is is essentially. It is all of Shena's memories and logs and stuff that they start transferring into Saria. So she finds out about how she was captured and how her mother, you know, grew to love her and just all of the different things. And honestly, it is, it is so very complicated and in my opinion, needlessly complicated. There's just so many characters you cannot, I, I, I had a hard time keeping track of them all. It's like you really need to kind of develop a, a flow chart, you know, organizational chart, <laughs> keep track of everybody. Um, well, I haven't reached the end of the book yet, but it, it's it, I, my understanding is is kind of essentially how Saria is eventually through all of these various incarnations to, um, consumed into the network and then thrown back in time to see if she can save humanity. And I haven't finished it yet, but. I would recommend it just because Bonnie Turpin is very interesting. She 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 puts a lot of you know she's an excellent performer. So, but I wouldn't I uh, if you want to invest seventeen hours in it, it's it's a mediocre recommendation. Bonnie Turpin is funny. She brings the humor out. I love her voices. Um, well, but I'm going to read it. I was I thought yeah. I was intrigued by the plot because I like that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of reviewers I read could have talked about the humor of it, but uh, some people complained because there was a lot of philosophizing in it. Apparently, also or at least somebody mm-hmm. thought so. And there, it is very complicated. But that's what you're going to get in a far future society. I mean, right? Uh, some some of that's going to come out in, I would, in that. I so would, I'm, I'm would. definitely, I'm going to read it, but I'm involved in some yeah. other books, but I started it. Yeah. I have started it, so. You know, you know it's well, funny, I read a book that had to do with The Last Human also. And oh, it, yeah, it, you might as well go in next, because, mm-hmm. uh, thanks. That's not the book I'm going to talk about. I just want oh, to okay. That I, I read a book that, I don't remember the title, it had to do with The Last Human who was kept as a, sort of like a pet by aliens, and you know the discover to try to what, resurrect humanity, and then they go to another planet, and they discover that there's a few other living specimens still left of humanity. 
but I don't remember the name of the book. Mm. I suppose if yeah. I went to my dad, <clears throat> but no, the yeah. book, the book that I want to, you know, briefly discuss, and I'm going to need the help of my Victor reader to remember the titles. It's um, it's uh, called Aliens. It's uh, three novellas edited by Ben Boba. Yeah. And the books are. Let me put it on right here. Table of contents. Ben Boba. He's good. First contact is the first one. Barry Leinster. Let me get the next Hold on. Contents. First contact. Murray Leinster. Murray Leinster. Yeah. Side one. The big front yard. The big front yard, which was a Yeah. A meeting with Medusa. Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah. So those are the three novels. Yeah. Wow. And they're all good. Yeah, yeah, they're all good. Um, I didn't the know they were novels, though. Those are not novels. No, novellas. They call yeah. them novellas, right? Or, yeah, they're novellas. Yeah. Right. That thing that's a little older than a short story and a little younger than right. a novel. It's <laughs> Steve, Stephen King had an interesting thing to say about that in something called Different Seasons. It was the afterward. He was just saying it's such a weird form because some people, it's just a short novel, but other people want to call mm-hmm. it a novella. Or a, uh, there was another word. Was it a novelette? Maybe there was, but that didn't last. Oh, that has a different number of words. Okay, that's a different, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, novelettes are between 15 and 40, uh, 25 or 30. I don't remember. Is a novella longer? No, novellas are longer, yeah. They're up to Mm. like 40,000 words, I think. And then you start getting into novel territory. Twenty-five to forty thousand words, and I think a, no, a novella yeah, is like fifteen 200. to twenty-five thousand. Okay. So I think yeah. that's how they break it out. Twenty-five to forty is roughly two and a half to four hours. I you you assume mm-hmm. about an hour to read ten thousand words, depending on how fast the narrator is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So have you read these? Yes, and the um, the first one, the um, first contact, has to do with a, a starship that's exploring a nebula. And they discover an alien vessel. And the whole thing is how to avoid fighting each other because each fears that the other might um, discover the origins and, and then the other one might, con- you know, they assume that they're aggressive enough that they might um, attack their home planet. So they eventually are able to communicate with each other and gradually they find, you know, they find them very likable, the humans and the Aliens, and they finally end up resolving the problem, if I remember correctly, that they decide to each one to return to their own planet in the, in the other ship. And that way, apparently, they, they avoid the, the hostility of their home planet. So that's sort of a brief <laughs> summary of that first one. The second one, the big front yard, I found a little difficult to understand. It had to do with these aliens imposing an, another reality over the reality of this house in a typical rural scene. And inside, they, the, the owner notices a strange construction in his basement. He can't figure out where it came from. And it turns out it's the way that these aliens are somehow intruding themselves into his reality. Hmm. And the third one, um, the Medusa, was very interesting it had to do with um, the main character was almost killed in a, in a balloon crash. He was a, he was in a balloon with other people in a balloon crash, and he was severely injured. And they we had to reconstruct his whole body into almost a, a machine. And then he wanted, and they sent him out with his abilities to Jupiter to explore the atmosphere of Jupiter. And he's in a ship, and he's communicating with with uh, mission control. And as they go, as he goes deeper into the atmosphere, they discover living life forms that actually exist in the atmosphere. One of which is this huge, like jellyfish thing with tremendous tentacles, called a, which they name a Medusa. And um, they think it might have intelligence, but they're not sure. And the Medusa suddenly becomes aware of the of the of the presence of his ship, and tries to explore it with his huge tentacles, and he's trying to. Escape, and he finally ends up deciding you better get out of there before he's not sure if it's if they're hostile or just friendly. In the meantime, Mission Control decides that they're going to consider it as um, you know when you're dealing with intelligent species. To I forget the term, 
that they use, you know, when you have to deal with them with, you know, not just kill them or anything. And uh, so he, he leaves Jupiter, returns to Earth, and at the very end it says, you know, he's no longer a human because they convert him into a sort of a machine-like thing. And he's able to, in fact, the last chapter is about between two worlds, and he's going to be the future emissary between humans and machines and other alien races. Yeah, that's a classic. They're all three classics. That's my favorite of the, of the Clark was always, you know. Yeah, it was pretty, I, th- I think I liked his the best. He, the has, he had tremendous sense of wonder, and he was really interested in the future. And right. He was great. One of my favorites, always will be. So, yeah, those are all three classics, though. Of old, traditional, golden age. <laughs> yeah, that was back in, it was published in 1979, the thing here. Yeah, but those all were written. Well, Medusa, I think, is the latest one. Mm-hmm. But Murray Leinster's, Murray Leinster's was in the 40s, I think. Mm. Clifford Simax, I'm not sure, 50s, probably. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but those were all classics anyway. They're all good. Sherry? Yes. Are you interested? In I will go next, yes. Talking about a book? Absolutely. Yeah, right. Um, I read The Last Day by Andy Murray, who I assume is British because this takes place in the UK. Oh, I just read that about oh. the world that stopped. I don't know how yep. the people don't fly off the world when it stopped. I agree with a, you. And um, that book needs a sequel because you don't know what happened there. Right. Well, well you still have it. gravity. I mean. How? But no. I thought the world had to spin to make gravity. No, right. no, it doesn't no. have to spin to make gravity. Spinning no, no, actually no, no, reduces no. the gravity oh. near the equator. Miracles where everything really? got really heavy. Yeah. Oh. So where all could stop well, and we wouldn't have to fall off. No, oh, no I didn't know that either. Off. I thought spinning was gravity too. I oh, that's good. That's how that gravity works. is just the amalgamation of all the mass of the Earth. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Do you remember the Age of Miracles when the world was yeah. slowing down and yeah. you know, we were noticing the balls were falling a lot faster than they normally would? That's or, right, and that's yeah. what that book that's reminded true. me of just a little bit. Yeah. Oh well, let, we better. Well, we should. Yeah, we better let talk about the. That's yeah, okay. Ahead, and no, and David, that. just chime in if you have anything to add. Um, yeah, all that's cool. All I'll say is it needs a sequel, and Sherry can tell you why how it ends with them going to the Americans. But I'm going to stop. Right. I, well, I don't know if I'll give away the ending, but oh, let me um, I think overall this book should be classified as dystopian rather than science fiction. And I wish they had a genre where they did – there's enough dystopian books that that could be a genre that they, it could very well be classified oh, yeah. as that. But the earth stops moving, and half the people in the world are left totally dark. Half the people are totally light, almost unlivable. And then there's a narrow band where people can still live fairly comfortably and grow food for people to eat, and that's in the U.K. And that's about the extent of the science. Um, This woman, Ellie, our heroine, gets contacted by a professor she had a long time ago who was a mentor of hers, and they sort of had a falling out because she found out he worked for the government and did some things she disapproved of. And he wants her, he's on his deathbed, and he needs desperately to tell her something. So she goes, and the government is also quite interested in what he has to tell her. But he whispers it in his, her ear right before he dies, and he just says, my house. So she and her ex-husband are on this search for what he has to say about the state of the world. And it's a lot of running around from place to place trying to find things, tapes, and videos and different things like that and it talks a lot about the living conditions there's a real hierarchy um the people in town the government people live quite well they send people off to some place called the bread basket where they it sounds like it's sort of slave labor and it's growing food for everybody else to eat and they bring that into the city and it's quite easily it's quite easy to get arrested and and thrown into that part of the world and um, that and meanwhile there's people in the united states and what they call the americas who still have nuclear weapons and they are making a deal to give them to the british in exchange for more food presumably and that's sort of going on at the same time that she's trying to find out what this guy 
knows. And if you want, I can spoil it. It was it was okay. It was pretty good as far as a suspense novel goes. I don't know what you thought, David, it but was, I, I wouldn't it call it. It was all right. It was all right. It was kind of strange. And to me, you know, having to, you know, they, it was very circuitous in how she meets the, the, her former um, teacher at Oxford and, and the chase she goes on. You, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of keeps you wondering for a long time. And yeah. then it settles it for you. But, um, yeah, the Americans, I would add, were not in America. They had come to Great Britain, which allowed them to live in three counties, and they brought mm-hmm. their nukes with them. And the British Prime Minister, Davenport, kept trying to get them. He was a sort of, uh, you know, like he was sort of Orwellian, really doing yeah. whatever he had to do so that Britain would survive. And if it, it was being ruthless, he would do it. Yeah. Yeah, he was a bad guy. Yes. Yep. Well, and the woman was bad, too, that woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Her One of her henchmen, his henchmen, women, yeah. She and her cohort who did all the violence. All the were, violence. Yeah. yeah the rough trying stuff. to chase these people down and see what they knew and stuff. Well, that's what you get with the, with, with the men's and the women's equality now. You can you can have hench women as well as henchmen. That's right. That's right. Well, equal opportunity henching. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, not everything would fly off because you would lose your gravity. But the problem is, if you slowed down the Earth, then all the stuff that's moving with the Earth on top of it, on the surface, like the buildings, you would have an acceleration because the Earth would be slowing down and all this stuff would start. That's where you get your Coriolis effect from, like, your hurricanes. Because Mm -hmm. the Earth is moving faster near the equator, so when uh, the wind on the opposite side the earth is moving slower so the wind picks up uh and speeds up so i mean you'd have to move you'd have to slow down the earth extremely you'd have to take a extremely long time to do it otherwise you'd have all kinds of cataclysms with stuff interesting because the earth is moving at a thousand miles an hour that's a good point yeah that's a good point so to slow it down you have to really take a long time otherwise you'd have enormous you know, catastrophes of, and you, mm-hmm. the oceans would slop over, you know, the mm-hmm. land and everything. So. Well, he he avoided all the science stuff. He did mm-hmm. have, Ellie's job was being out in the ocean, uh, trying to figure out what the currents were doing and what was going on out there. And that would have been more interesting, as well as the process of slowing down and what happened, yeah. than the suspense. Did they, that, did they have it where the, the earth just stopped moving all of a sudden? Yes. And- yeah, but mo- the majority of the book was that it had already stopped, yes. They talked about the slow period, and then they talked about now they're in the stopped period. No. There's an old black and white movie where God gives this guy, one guy, the power to have any wish he makes come true. And the last wish he makes is Earth, stop turning. And it does just exactly what Evan said. You know, people start flying off the surface of the earth yeah that makes sense all this other stuff in fact it's a, like a black and white movie hmm. so sounds that like tells a twilight you how old zone. it is and i can't remember yeah. the title i was gonna say that sounds like a twilight zone yeah it does you know. sound like a twilight zone yeah cool they did a few things where things like that happened but yeah hmm Okay, David, you were yeah, talking I, about the last day, but did you have a separate yes, book you wanted to yes. mention? I'm just reading a Miles Morkosigan. Oh, yeah, I saw a new one on Bard the other day. Is that the one? Yeah, Cryoburn. Yeah. It's not bad. I didn't read the series in order, so I don't always remember like the continuity, but he's kind of interesting. He's he's kind of like presented as sort of a superhero, but he is kind of fragile, too, so you get to see how he handles himself because he has a few physical challenges and the worlds are always interesting because each book has him on a different planet. So it's her way of showing you different societies. Like one um, planet um, is all about genetics. Another one is just sort of an anarchy where everybody does whatever anybody wants. And one planet was nothing but men it you know it was very interesting the different you know the different worlds she comes up with i mean she's good at it because she's also written fantasy though i don't like that as much and um 
it's not a bad series. You know, you can dive in it at any place, and it's a bit, you know, you kind of know what you're getting when you get it because of the way he is. Uh, I, I hadn't read it. You know, the uh, Bard didn't get He's, uh, about just to, for people, he's uh, dis- physically uh, disabled. Yeah, he has weak bones or something, but they fix it in one of the books. But oh, okay. then, then I think he later on I think he gets injured and he is put in suspended animation for a few years and then they fix him but he's prone to seizures so he always has a, seems to always have a challenge and in the world he comes from is had only like the fifty years before had only gotten itself out of a, like a, from a despot it's it's ruled by an emperor and his family is friends with the emperor and it's a, it's a it's a universe where you travel by nodes I think the nodes are like wormholes and they can throw you from one part of the universe or the galaxy to another so it's that kind of world or that kind of universe and different like so different planets have different mores and rules. So that makes it kind of interesting. It, it's not, you know, it's not, I don't see it as very deep, but they're kind of fun. You know, she's... Well, a, that's kind of what I'm reading. Uh, not very deep, but kind of fun. Though much more advanced technologically and combative. Oh, I, I should have asked if you're done yet. Yeah, I was done. I was going to talk about a book called Docile, which is listed as science fiction, but I didn't think it was, and it's very explicit. So, um, oh, you can if you want to. We have, I mean, it's oh. not that long. It's no, not that I, I had a cry. I had a question about Cryoburn because I downloaded yeah, it. Yeah, you did. So, yeah, did you like it very well, or it's should okay. I pass? Yeah. It's okay. It's only ten hours. It's okay. You, yeah. if you want to, it's fun. No, Docile to me was not really even science fiction. It was more dystopian, like you were saying about dystopian. So I probably won't get into it. It was just kind of trippy. People take. Or, or, you know, in other words, you can inherit your family's debt, and the only way you can get out of it is to literally sell your labor to some rich person. And there's this drug called Docilium, which you can take, which makes it more bearable. And this guy sells, um, does, he goes, and he's bought by a man, and he refuses to take the metal, you know, the drug. And the man's family are the ones who make it, and it just goes to show you the control the man had over him, and it gets sexual, and it gets really weird. So I saw that one on Bard not too mm-hmm. long ago too. Yeah, not too long ago. Yeah. It's unique and it definitely represents changes in the way fiction is written and the kinds of things we write about now. You know, we have definitely broadened our uh, uh, way of writing about different kinds of people. So it's interesting in that regard. But no, I'm done. You can go ahead. Uh, I was, I'm having, uh, I'm on a Neil Asher kick right now, so I'm reading two books of his at the same time, um, which I, 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 they're not very deep either, but they're fun, though probably more combat than I really care about, but, um, this is the, uh, Neil Asher is the author of a couple of dozen, well, I'm not sure exactly how many, but if Bard has five of them. I presume they're going to have six when they finish the series, the Rise of the Jane series. I read the first two books of that, and then I went back and started the Transformation trilogy that Bard has. Uh, the first one's called Dark Intelligence, and I read that one. I'm reading the second one. I'm a little ways into the second one now. And uh, uh, so I um, I was, I actually downloaded Dark Intelligence, of some time ago, and then I deleted it because too much rage and revenge in the synopsis. And I thought, I don't know if I want to read that. So I just, but I decided after I read the Rise of the Jane books that I would give them another try. And um, they actually have characters who evolve. Some of them. Um, uh, it's not all, you know, combat. There's a good bit, and there's actually more in the. Rise of the Jane books than there are in the Transformation books, at least so far, but there's plenty of it in there also. But the basic plot is this guy who was in a war with this alien race that's very xenophobic uh, a century or so before the book starts was is resurrected. And his uh, motivation is revenge against an AI that went rogue and apparently was defective when it was created and wiped out his, uh, you know, several thousand 
of uh, his fellows, troops on this planet that were at war with these aliens, and he wants to get he, he wants to kill this AI, and he's he's very smart, and people have augmentations, you know. At this time, this is like twenty uh, seven hundreds. I think these are set at twenty seven hundred. Yeah, goodness. Um, and um, yeah, there's a chronology in in. And uh, you can get it on Wikipedia. It's in the back of some of the books. Um, and so it, they're not published in the order that they are set. He didn't write them in the order that they are set, if you know what I mean. Um, so anyway, his motivation is to get revenge against this AI that wiped out. Um, and there's another character whose name is Isabel, and she wants, she's in a crime syndicate and she meets with this ai and it will give you things if you know it'll it'll make it you know you can get things from it but you know it'll grant wishes but it's very advanced you know technologically and uh but it doesn't give you it gives you what you want but it isn't it doesn't always turn out the way you hope it will because she wants she wants to be able to take out one of her rivals, and so she wants to be stronger, and and so on. And so, Penny Royal is the name of the AI, and um, mm. she was in a previous book actually that I downloaded from Bookshare, but I haven't read yet, so I'm not reading them in order either. But you don't have to; they're not they're not like uh, you know one long series um, that are contiguous. Um, they some of them take place many decades apart. But um, so Penny Royal alters her genetic code and gradually she realizes that she's turning into an alien life form that's much bigger and stronger so that she can tear this guy apart, which is literally what she said she wanted to do. She said, well, okay, this will give you the capability to do that. But she didn't say it quite like that. But she didn't. She realizes later that she got more than she bargained for. And she you can see how she changes you know, her mentality changes as she changes into this alien form and she struggles with, you know, losing her humanity and gradually she um, starts taking on the characteristics of this alien and she finds it harder and harder to contain her predatory nature and stuff. And so, and uh, so Penny Royal, it, uh, this, this guy, Torvald Spear is his name, the guy who wants revenge against Penny Royal and he finds out as time goes on that his memories have been altered because what they have in this in this polity is they have these mem plants which is your your recording so and you guys most of you have probably heard of this stuff before you get backed up so that if you get killed or you know you can be put you can have your mem plant put in another body and you can just mm -hmm. start reliving again you know that's like so that's what they did with him um and so they resurrected him, but he doesn't know why. And but he knows why. He wants to be, you know, alive. And so he starts going after this AI. And um, and Isabel uh, wants to go get even with her because she doesn't like what she's turning into. And even though she asked to be bigger and stronger and tear this guy apart, she didn't ask to be turned into this alien life form that's much bigger and you know and and completely and she's losing her you know she she's losing her syndicate partners and she she wants to kill them because you know she's you know they don't want to follow her orders and stuff and so and uh and we see that penny royal eventually she was actually uh heavily damaged in a conflict with uh an alien machine and she was repaired and he, the drone that repaired her, um, I should step back probably and say that a lot of the characters in here are not people. They're AIs or drones that are AIs. They're in different shapes. You know, Earth Central is the name of the AI that actually rules. Um, humans are not the rulers of the polity. They were kind of taken over in what was called the quiet war because it was, you know, there were very few casualties and AIs are running things now. There are still people around, though most of them are heavily augmented or boosted and they've got, you know, nanotechnology is very advanced now and 
So they can adjust their chemistry and stuff. They can adjust their libidos and they can, they can boost their, you know, intelligence and so on. So there's a lot of interesting stuff that I like about them, but there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of battles, you know, there's the, the alien Predator are, are still around. And though they've made a truce with the humans because their original king, they have a king, um, who was prosecuting the war against the humans and or against the polity, I should say more accurately, was uh, usurped and the new king called a truce because the Praetor were losing against the polity. And there are alien Praetor who don't like that and they want to restart the war. So, uh, but there are humans on this one planet who, who, uh, you know, people will do almost anything, as you guys probably know. And there are people who are on this one planet, they're called shell people, and they modify themselves to try to look like the aliens who are look like more like crab people or crabs. They have uh-huh. carapaces and stuff. And so the humans get surgical modifications and stuff. And, and so um, there are things I don't like about these books. The author seems to have, you know, most of his, or all of his aliens are like ugly and kind of, you know, mm-hmm. even said at one point, I, somewhere I saw it on some article on the internet, that he, you know, he makes his predators, you know, ugly. You know, there's not much beauty and there's not much, you know, mm-hmm. Um, but I'm enjoying them because, you know, he does describe a lot of what it's like to have augmentations and the AIs, you know, do take on human emotions, but they can govern them. You know, they can decide how much of an emotion they can feel or not. Um, and so, um, I'm not describing everything because the book is, um, well, the first book is 16 and a half hours and the rest are like 20 hours each. So uh, they're not short. I don't care for the narrations very well. Patrick uh, Gregory Gorton wrote, narrated Dark Intelligence, and he has all his women talking like this, and they all talk the same, you know, and it's like, and his voice is not even like, it's just an artificial fault, you know, like, oh, man, I don't, why he did that. Um Anyway, it's just a little, it was just a little annoying, but I got through it okay. But anyway, uh, I'm enjoying the second book called War Factory. This is um, called Room 101, where a lot of these AI drones and Penny Royal was created for the war against the Praetor. And some of them did turn out too well. They've got mental problems and of course, when they have mental problems, it usually turns out like they're nasty. And, you know, the author just seems to have a propensity for that kind of thing. And, you know, as Lissy and I have talked about before, authors can only put into a book what they have. You know what I mean? They can only do what they think, you know, what they've got inside them. And I think that sometimes, you know, obviously authors do things for contracts and stuff and they can write different, but when they're writing what they want, you know, you kind of see some of their character, I think. And he just seems to have a kind of a dark view of things. And mm. But I'm still enjoying them. As I said, they're not real deep, and I do like some par- aspects of the, you know, the, um, the uh, descriptions, you know, they're alien worlds and there's, you know, alien creatures and, you know, lost races and a lot of space opera tropes that I like and, there's a lot of a cyberpunk feel to them too, though. I mean, a lot of the people have connections on them where they can put their augmentations and some of them, you know, have jacks where they can hook up cables to the, you know, to their heads or, oh, that's you know, wild. stuff, that's stuff like that. Yeah. that. That kind of cyberpunk <laughs> stuff that they've been doing since the 80s, yeah, you know, William he put Gibson. some of that in it. Yeah, he put some of that in it. So there's a lot of human computer interfacing going on and I... I kind of like to hear the descriptions of that stuff. So I'm going to keep reading them. Um, I'm getting, as I said, I got one from Bookshare that I'm going to read later on. And I scanned the human. The, the human is the last book in the Rise of the Jane, which I don't know when Bard's going to get. Um, Audible has it, but I, I'm i going to see if, if I can do it for Bookshare. I'm still waiting to hear why Bookshare didn't get the second book in the trilogy, even though the same publisher gave them the first book. 
So I'm still trying to resolve that. But if Bookshare can't get them, I'll do them for Bookshare. So anyway, that is Dark Intelligence by Neil Asher. And that's my book. I had a question about the rise of the Jane. When I saw mm-hmm. that, I thought of the religion, but it's nothing to do with that. No, they're aliens who've been yeah. around. They've been gone for about five million years, yeah. and uh, but their technology is still around, and it tends to have a destructive quality to intelligences that pick it up, and it tends to in in they're they're very xenophobic. Also, it seems like most of his races are xenophobic for some mm. reason. It's an interesting um, choice for a title, given that there is a religion called that. Yeah, I don't know if he knew that. I don't know if he knew that or, or didn't yeah. care or doesn't know or, yeah, or what. That's but true. It, it's you know, that's one um, of the things I did like about the last human is that the species seemed to really um, mm-hmm. there wasn't there wasn't a lot of you know hatred of the species you know other than humans who were really. Yeah, I think I'm going to enjoy it. I read a good bit about it because David wrote to me about it back in March, and uh, I and uh, I looked it up then. And some of them are described as being very beautiful. They may not be very, mm-hmm. very nice characters, but they're they, but they're you know they're described as being beautiful. And, but it is pretty uh, far out, as oh, I yeah. used to say. Uh, Seems yeah, like very, a bit a series by Neil Asher. It was something to do with the computer taking over and this dictatorial woman made everybody wear some sort of necklace that could strangle them. And I can't oh, really. Nice. I don't know about that. I don't remember that one. I'm gonna well, you'll look. have to come up with a title or something. I sure you know. Neckties. Yeah, that's... It was, yeah. A tri- it was a trilogy. It and was? I'm trying to... Yeah, it was a trilogy. I need to go dig up my notes and find it. There wasn't a... Was there a virus in it? Uh, I'm trying to remember. It's not it wasn't stable. on Bard, because Bard... No, Bard only has the five. No, I think I borrowed it from the library somewhere. Oh, I'll okay. dig around. Okay. I'll have to dig around and send you. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. There's the rise of the chain. There's a lot of particle beams flying around and rail guns and all kinds of stuff like that. But there's some real. There's some interesting stuff going on there too. Mm. But uh, anyway, I'm enjoying them moderately. They're not great, you know. But but uh, they're they're good enough to keep me going. I guess that was the idea. The next meeting of the Science Fiction Club will be on July the 9th, 2020. And uh, I hope you guys will all be here uh, and more besides. 